0: Hey,
1: guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, February 26, 2021. Thank you so much for joining us. And you know what? Man, for some reason, this month feels like uh, it has a lot less days in it. Oh, wait, it does. Only 28 days in this uh, short month of February. But uh, see, it feels like we just started and here we are ending it. I don't know why a couple days seems to uh matter all that much but man you really do feel like february just flies by maybe it's the super bowl president's day valentine i don't know i don't know why but anyway uh for me february was always the start of the college baseball season and i've already talked to you guys about that how i'm not working college baseball presently uh maybe down the road but uh it's it's time for a little seventh inning stretch at least for me to, to take some time off and uh again it's still weird february uh just No baseball yet for me, but anyway, uh, guys, we have a great guest on the program today, so I'm not going to take too much of your time. I know I often say that, and then I ramble for 10 or 15 minutes, but I really do mean it today. Uh, Bob Lamb is, is our guest. And I got to tell you of all the people I have come across in the the world of officiating, Bob Lamb has had probably, mm, I don't know if the biggest, one of the biggest impacts on my life, one of the biggest mentors. I've tried to tell him that a million times, um, he's very quick-witted. He has such a great sense of humor about him. Um, But I really do appreciate Bob Lamb. When I left uh, coaching at Rio Hondo Prep and wasn't sure what I was going to do, I I got into officiating. I'd always told myself, if I get out of coaching, I'm going to dive into high school officiating, all three sports, football, basketball, baseball, and I'm going to see how far I can take each sport. That That was my goal. That was my thought. I wanted to I had seen officials obviously work high school games, and I wanted to do it. Well, the first day I go to West Covina High School where the football meetings were in uh, August of 2007. And didn't know anyone, just there, and a big group of guys. Everyone looked like they knew each other. I was a little intimidated, but told myself, no, just just go with it. Just go with it and uh, commit to this. So we go into the first-year class, the new members, and this guy, Bob Lamb is the lead instructor. And he just put me at ease. He started telling war stories. He started talking about baseball. Uh, and at the time I had kind of taken an interest more into baseball uh, as a college baseball fan, kind of. Uh, but Bob Lamb really put me at ease. He mentioned that his son, Mike Lamb, played in the big leagues. And as a Cal State Fullerton alum, I knew who Mike Lamb was, not, not personally, but I knew the name, a uh, great player at Fullerton. And Bob Lamb started talking officiating, but he also didn't get too crazy with his instruction. He was just very direct, very funny, I thought. And he was just like, guy, don't complicate stuff too much. Think of one, two, or three things, really, that you can focus on and get better at. I'll never forget. Where do I, you know, you guys want to know, where do I stand? What do I look at? I mean, something as simple as that, that has stuck, stuck out with me all these years. And anytime I've talked to people about officiating uh, you start with that type of stuff. You start with the basics. So Bob Lamb was the first instructor I had at any level of officiating and somebody that kind of was the person I, uh, that that's where the bar was for me as far as instruction and just an incredible guy. I've worked baseball games with him. I've worked football games with him. You're going to hear some great stories from Bob today. Um, he, he he umpired college baseball at one time. I, I never umpired college ball with him, but but he was influential really in getting me involved in college baseball. Uh, you know, talked to a few assigners for me and, and things like that. So very grateful for Bob Lamb. Uh, he's worked a ton of high school baseball finals, football finals. I actually worked my first football final with him. It was an eight-man game, which was kind of special for me being a former eight-man football player. Um, and, and it was just... I don't know. Anytime I was on a field with Bob, I knew I was going to have a good time, laugh a lot. Uh, The game was going to get taken care of. And uh, you know, you you just, when you're around Bob, you kind of, you kind of just try to listen because he's going to say something funny or say something that is very impactful, little one-liners. He's very, very good at after all these years of coaching and, and umpiring and officiating. He's great with the, got great people skills. And so I can't wait for you guys to hear this today. Um, can't say it enough, my appreciation for Bob Lamb, and it was an honor to have him on the program, uh, record with him uh, a few, few days ago. Uh, Bob was a baseball coach for the West Cabina Dukes, which was a very, uh, it, it pioneered really this kids travel baseball thing that we know today, but at the time it was, you know, ahead of its time. It was uh, elite. I mean, kids were coming in. There wasn't that many travel teams, and the Dukes traveled all over the country playing games. and. Uh, really raised the standard of baseball for uh, for the for youth, youth sports in Southern California. I mean, people people all over knew who the West Covina Dukes were, and it wasn't uh, just because they were really good. It was the way in which they carried themselves, and uh, Bob Lamb uh, was a was a big part of all that, alongside some other great coaches who've coached for the West Covina Dukes. Uh, but but Bob Lamb did a great job with all that, and and someone that uh, will tell you some stories about you know, coaching some kids that ended up in the big leagues and he'll, he'll he'll be humble and say it wasn't because of him or anything, but, you know, I I think a lot of the lessons he taught kids really uh, elevated uh, their performance later on down the road. So uh, anyway, uh, very long conversation today with Bob Lamb. So I need to step aside here so that you guys can hear it. Um, At the end of the episode, I'll have a couple words to say about, you know, next week's, uh, shows and everything as well as some uh, information how to follow the podcast all that normal stuff uh but but today i just want to tell you guys bob lamb's a special person to me and someone uh, i greatly appreciate uh, on and off the field and uh, looking forward to you guys uh hearing all this today so uh as i said i won't talk too long and we're just going to step aside and uh, get right to it so uh you know on our bob lamb let's let's throw the first pitch And get right into it. Here is our Friday long form conversation with my good friend, Mr. Bob Lamb. Okay, today I'm joined by a very good friend of mine, someone who's been a big mentor in my life in the world of officiating, and a few other things as well. Uh, We're joined by Bob Lamb. He's a longtime uh, baseball umpire and football official, has umpired roughly seven CIF baseball finals and uh, refereed a few football finals as well, uh, roughly five. He's worked the state championship at one point. Um, He is... Uh, someone who was one of the original coaches of the West Covina Dukes. When all that got started, there's just a lot of things to talk about today. Bob's going to share a lot of stories. And uh, you know what? He he warned me that, hey, him in front of a microphone is something else. So here we go. Bob Lamb, welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here, Matt. It's good to see you. You too. I've
0: my 38 years of basketball.
1: Yes, 38 years
0: of basketball.
1: Nice we don't want to... Skip over that. Uh,
0: well, I, I didn't work any finals there, but I did some playoffs. <laughs> well, basketball, as, a,
1: as you told me, when I was starting out officiating, uh, I had a fun uh, first year in football, and you were the first year instructor. You really gave me a lot of uh, passion for the, for the craft, and as I went in to do basketball a few months later, you said over and over and over again, Matt, basketball is not like football it's very different <laughs> yeah snap decisions <laughs> indeed indeed well bob first off uh how's the family doing and everything what has this uh year been like for you everybody everybody healthy everything good
0: everything's healthy thanks for asking yeah uh everybody's good um uh it it's uh, two different my my daughter and her family are are pretty much hunkered down and it almost seems like mike could care less uh <laughs> they go do their things. Uh, Andrew playing baseball. He's a sophomore at, uh, in high school, and uh, my granddaughter, the youngest one, Brooklyn, is softball. So they they've been traveling um, while this is going on. But uh, they get home and they sit and they hibernate, and uh, all's well. And then they then they go again. So uh, they've been fortunate.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's good to hear. And and, and Bob, your your life really has been. <laughs> Uh, uh, around, around sports. I mean, baseball, uh, football, basketball, and I know you retired from, from basketball. I mean, football and baseball, you're still working. What is this? Has it been weird not being involved in sports all these months with, uh, them not really going on here in California?
0: Yeah. It not only has it, uh, has it been weird? It's, it's, uh, it's not good for my uh, mental outlook or my physical <laughs> lookout. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, you know, there were times uh, in the past when I was doing college baseball where I would do seven games, eight games a week.
2: Mm.
0: And, and so I would I would eat breakfast, eat lunch and go do a, a nine inning baseball game. Uh, and so that was plenty of activity. Yeah. And and now uh, yeah I, I don't even have that. I'm not good at forcing myself to sweat. <laughs> yeah (laughs) so so, yeah i I, i'm very fortunate i'm I'm, from what i'm told i'm disgustingly healthy Uh, (laughs) and and, uh uh, no major no major stuff i got good genes all the way through so
1: well yeah that's that's good good to hear good to hear and you know what uh Hey, uh, so, so hearing the grandkids are all grown up now—that's got to be just so fun for you. I remember some—you always tell us, yeah, I get to go play a soccer with it with my five-year-old grandson tomorrow, and I mean stuff like that. Now they're all grown up, or at least in the process of it. How's that been like for you, being a grandfather, Bob
0: Lamb? Well, it's it's been it's been cool. Uh, it's been good. Um, it, Mike lives an hour away, so uh, I. Uh, I get down there when I can, but now it's it has, he's not playing baseball, and, and my one granddaughter was in dance, and she's not doing that. The other one, we get to her softball games once in a while. But those three are, Mike's kids, they're grown. My daughter's kids are, uh, I'm going to screw this up, seven and five. <laughs> um, and, and I see them a little more because uh, she bought my parents' house. And it's about a mile away. So I get to see them a little more, but, but, uh, and they're not, uh, Mateo tried baseball and couldn't really grasp it too much uh, when he was four. So that, that sort of figured, figured that fixed that. Um, but he's, he's really talented. His, his artwork is, is really good. And, and the, both of them are sharp as all get out uh they must have got that from their grandmother <laughs> there's no doubt about it oh god yeah <laughs> we're, we're not talking brains here we're, we're talking go down the house and go do
1: something <laughs> oh that's fun stuff well uh bob we're going to talk a lot about officiating uh today and, and and also and also your um your time uh with the west cabina dukes um, so, so let's go back if we will, towards when you grew up as a kid, what was the, where did you grow up? Uh, did you have an interest in sports? I mean, what was the, the very young Bob Lamb like?
0: Well, uh, very, very skinny, <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very skinny. Um, uh, I, I was born in LA, uh, actually Hollywood Presbyterian Hospital. So I'm important. I uh, grew up in Culver City, and my, my parents rented half a duplex from my mom's parents. So I grew up next to my grandmother, grandfather, and uncle. Oh, wow. And my uncle and grandfather were both carpenters. Uh, and obviously, my dad had a job. He, he was an auto parts salesman in a, a Collier motor sales in L.A. And... Yeah, we had, it was we live right next to an alley and, and it was great for for hitting a baseball around or a tennis ball around or whatever it was. But uh, for some reason, I threw a baseball and liked it. Um, my my dad wasn't overly athletic, although he he you know did the softball thing and my uncle played basketball in high school. Uh, other than that, nothing real. I was so into it that I had the feeling that my grandpa, my grandma, grandfather, uncle, and my dad would take turns parking around the corner. So one of them would get home first and have to play catch with me. <laughs> so they would just rotate, uh, uh, and wait till one of them got home and saw me out there playing catch. And then the other two would come in. So it, it, it was that kind of deal. Uh, it, it, it was fun, but there was no, uh, uh Baseball leagues around, no organized, or I didn't find them. They weren't near me, uh, so I didn't. I didn't really get anything organized until we moved out to West Covina, because mm-hmm. I was in Culver City, so I. I didn't know it. And so you
1: get to West Covina, and uh, where, where did did you go to West Covina High School?
0: Went to Bishop Amat. Bishop Amat, okay. Yeah, I tried to go to Edgewood, but there was no there was no getting around. I wasn't going there. My, my, my dad wasn't hearing it. Uh, so,
1: so Bishop Amat is uh Catholic school in, uh, in, uh, La in La Puente. Yeah. And, and for those that don't know, I mean, that's a school that I want to say has probably always been uh, very big into athletics. And, and was it that way at the time?
0: Uh, yeah. It, it's always been a football school. Mm-hmm it was big in football then uh and and it was, it's been big in football for quite a while it's 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 generally the benchmark or has been the benchmark uh at least in the valley yeah uh, them upland uh you know the you know the schools because you you worked in but uh it's been a benchmark baseball not not too much and basketball even less and that's that's not really changed Although baseball, they've won a couple championships. Yeah. Uh, over the last few, you know, ten years, I'd say, they're competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, they move they move kids up to the next level. Um, so uh, they've got some ends there, and 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 it's a good situation. Uh, good athletics, good good in the classroom, good all around. Good institution, yeah. Kids. So, so, you go
1: from not really have anything around you as a kid to then going to uh, Bishop Amat, where uh, you know athletics is uh, very prevalent. It's very much in the uh, in the uh, current climate uh, or back then. And so, did
0: you play sports uh, throughout high school or no? I did not. Uh, I was skinny. <laughs> I was I was small. I I approached my folks about uh, playing football, and and when they finished laughing. <laughs> Uh, they said they said no we'd like for you to be a, a, for live through this experience the high school experience so uh, we're probably going to have to say no and they're right I'd have got killed at West Vermont in football uh there there wasn't a spot for me at all uh, and and I just i i don't know i i well I do know i was pro- I wasn't good enough to, to compete at the level of any sports in in uh uh, fish vermont at all i tried out for baseball and basketball and uh i I don't know whether i wasn't serious enough or didn't have enough talent or both
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so
0: so so i always uh, i was curious of
1: this you know i I played at a very small high school where obviously i I probably wouldn't have played sports at a public school or something or a bigger private school or anything but I was fortunate to be in a smaller sized uh, school and classrooms uh, and all that. So it was fun to play sports. So I always wonder, like, especially like today, kids are going to school. And for those that don't participate in sports, I mean, it's got to be a totally different experience. Even though you weren't playing, did you like, I mean, you still liked and followed sports
0: or did you oh, do yeah. other things? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, you know, from growing up in this area, there was this guy on the radio for the Dodgers named Scully. <laughs> yeah really easy to listen to
2: mm-hmm. uh
0: and my dad took me so i went to baseball games in the coliseum dodger games when they played in the coliseum so he took me my uncle took me to uh laker games in the sports arena <laughs> uh and and uh, uh my dad took me to a football game a rams game uh in the coliseum also so yeah i was around it uh we lived a little far away from that stuff and and uh but we went to many more games in Dodger stadium than we did in the Coliseum. Very cool.
1: So baseball, baseball always kind of had, uh, your heart, if we would say compared to the other sports.
0: Yeah. For some reason, maybe it's because I found it easier to play. Uh, I, I, I could throw and catch and, and I could throw baseball pretty much where I wanted it to go. Uh, so that made me valuable, uh, to some coaches. Um, they, they thought, they thought I could be a pitcher. And for the most part, it was as decent as you could get for where I played. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, I, I had a good time. I had a good time. Uh, so it, we weren't affiliated with any league. It was Walmart Auto Park. Uh, and I was, my birthday was in July. So I was 10 year old plays an 11 and 11 year old playing as a 12. And then I was done. <laughs> One year of Pony, uh, one year of of Maverick, the first year it was a baseball field. Okay, I played played there. Uh, My dad was on the crew that helped build it, make it a baseball field. It was a cow pasture, a horse pasture. (laughs) Uh, Because the Ridge Riders are right behind it still. And and I played there one year and then that was pretty much it um, uh, until I got back out of the service and Met a guy and we played in the LA County Men's League for I think 15 years, 14 years, 15 years, something like that. And that was uh, that was fun too. Tell, tell me, Bob,
1: about um, you know your your time in the service. I can't imagine. You said 18. You graduate high school, maybe a year, and then uh, all of a sudden uh, you get put on a new team, uh, the United States Army. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was. I didn't like the color scheme. <laughs> I didn't look good in OD Green. Well, you know, but no, I was I graduated from high school at 17. And and I was 19 when I got drafted. And I thought, you know, that it, it I don't really want to walk around ankle deep in water. So I I signed up for another year to get a school I wanted and I didn't get X-ray technician. That school was full. There was people ahead of me, so. I I wound up as an MP, and we didn't go too far out in the field. Although, convoy detail was harrowing at times, but not too many of those. Uh, and and it was. I don't want to say enjoyable, but it sure beat tramping through rice paddies.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I, totally understandable. And uh, you said MP. How does what I you know you you see the initials you military police. Hear what's that
0: military police
1: yeah the military police yeah so I mean without going into too much detail in general what is the the do you, I mean are you just walking around looking for guys that are messing up I mean what is exactly military police detail like overseas yeah
0: well we were I was stationed uh, first uh, four or five months in Cameron Bay mm-hmm. and Cameron Bay is is uh, rife with Truck drivers, mechanics, and stuff. They smoked.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There were there were fights almost every night. We we brought people in every night, uh, and and it was it was a rough go because I was skinny. And uh, that first night on patrol, my partner and I, uh, he got a broken jaw, and I don't remember much about it. And, and I, I never let that happen again, but you learn real quick, uh, those people those people play for, for keeps. And uh, we, we got into a, a a company where a guy cut a sergeant with a broken beer bottle. Ooh. And I asked my partner, cause this person I'm on patrol, shouldn't he call for a backup? I mean, there's a lot of them and two of us and he didn't. And unfortunately he's the one with a broken job, but <laughs> Then I'm thinking, oh, God, the whole company is going to think I didn't stand up for my partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as it got around who my partner was, it was a special dispensation because, he's, well, that guy could have a priest wanting to fight him in five minutes. So, um, yeah, they understood him, and, and I didn't have to live with the fact that I didn't back him up, and I was never accused of that again, and I never was put in that situation again. Ooh.
1: Well, well, that that is good. Uh, it, it was so. So, Bob, three three years in the army. Um, were you? Were, were how long were you uh, gone? Were you in Vietnam? Uh, one year, or yeah, one year.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, and and uh, then I got. I don't know how I got so lucky. I got cush detail, cush job uh, coming back. I was stationed at Sandia Base in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh. And that's a Department of Defense base. Uh, So there was that, that's where the Sandia Corps is, is, uh, is where they started and did a lot of the atomic bomb
2: Mm -hmm. uh,
0: research. And and so there were places, as an MP patrol supervisor, there were places on that base I couldn't get without my security badge. And to get that, uh, you had to have a background check. And I was talking to my mother once. on the phone, and she said, Why is the FBI asking questions about you? <laughs> I said, Because you can't work here without a security. They went back. She said, We got a call from somebody that I'm sure we haven't seen since you were about six or seven. So the FBI went to their door to ask them about me and and the family and that. Wow. <laughs> and so that yeah, was pretty cool. I It was a pretty high security clearance. You had mm-hmm. to have to work there. So, uh, yeah, it, it was and it was good detail because there was no uh picking up cigarette butts or raking sand or doing any of that stuff when you were off duty you were off duty yeah and there were were three sections there was there was a traffic section where you directed traffic (laughs)
2: Uh,
0: there was about eighteen thousand cars go on and off sandy base every day and main street there was two gates so main street uh you had to know what you were doing on two three particular traffic points otherwise you'd honk up the whole system mm-hmm. so you're standing out with a reflective gear white gloves on a box in the middle of an intersection waving your arms around and, and uh, i only did that for a few months and then i got uh, you know on the uh, uh enforcement side
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: staying out as the security side that's a static post and, i'm not in the static post so no that doesn't seem like you uh no. so 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 three years uh
1: were you gone that entire time or were you able to kind of bounce bounce home for a short time here and there well, once that
0: i year? got to sandia base uh, you get a weekend pass fly okay out. yeah it was okay. uh, we're isolated there but uh, certainly there wasn't any three-day passes from overseas no
1: <laughs> sure sure so so um y- after the army uh you're a young man a, a military veteran I mean hey, hey. <laughs> you, you, that you yeah exactly so at that point do you is that kind of when you started to go into coaching uh coaching baseball or kind of I know did you coach before you got into umpiring and refereeing
0: well it, it's you know it, it, it's really crazy I he's the closer you get to the end of of doing that stuff uh the more you think about my grandfather bless his heart thought I was going to be a major league baseball player (laughs) he bought me a set of catcher's equipment uh when I was like 12 that may still not fit me because it's so big and and I just put it away and when I was playing there were three umpires uh when I was 10 and 11 or 11 and 12, there was Breck Strosheim, Harry Crosby, and Chuck Cannon. Gee, I remember their names. Those are great umpire names. Those are. <laughs> but, yeah, Breck Strosheim was a huge man, uh, probably not very big now in comparison, but a huge man with a stone face, hustled his butt off, and nobody said anything to him. Uh, nobody said anything to him at all. But for, when those three showed up, one of them showed up, you knew you are going to get a good game. Chuck Cannon was my mother's favorite umpire because he smiled the whole game. <laughs> Just ran around smiling. And he did. He was a good guy. I, I, knew, I, knew all, I knew two of the three of them. I knew Chuck and I knew. And Harry Crosby uh, was a, a tall, thin, older guy, uh, as they all were, but he looked older than he probably was. And all they did was hustle around and looked like they were having a good time umpiring a game. And they probably were. Uh, they were like me, out with a bunch of kids on a baseball field. Uh, okay, I can live with that. That sounds cool. So when I, when I finished playing, I was 15. And I had all this gear. And umpiring looked like fun. So I'd throw it on my bicycle. And I'd ride over to Walmart Auto Park because we live close. And I'd look for practice games. Can I umpire your practice game? And wow. they didn't care. They w- So I umpired their practice games. And it got to be where they'd call me. I'm <laughs> practice game. Okay, <laughs> on my bike, off I'd go. And wearing umpire st- or catcher stuff that was way too big for me with my hat turned backwards and chin guards outside my pants because I didn't know any different. I bought a, uh, a metal counter uh Indicator at uh, Elliott Sporting Goods, and off I went. And it was, I just had a ball, and that was before I went in the service. Obviously, I was 15. And my dad was on the board at Walmart Park, so they were looking for a manager of a, of a, a major team, a 12 year old team. So they gave it to me, and, and I did that through that season. And, and we were representative. We were decent. I guess the kids had a good time. Uh, and I learned about dealing with parents. Uh, and I learned about a lot of stuff. Uh, so that was before I went in the service. I obviously had to give that up when I went away. But uh, I had a job when I got back. I worked for the phone company uh, in uh, Alhambra, uh, Bell, Pacific Bell. Uh, so I went back to that and uh, did that and uh, got to umpire on the way home and and I got rolling that way
1: wow so I I love the uh can I volunteer can I umpire your practice games absolutely well well, yeah kid come on out uh yeah they
0: they were they I didn't have one person say you know what no (laughs) and you you weren't looking we'd rather go without an umpire yeah and you were looking for uh money you just were having fun there was no money yeah (laughs) there was no money they i didn't even ask i didn't even think about money i was just having a good time it gave me something to do and i i at that time loved to run around and i just did i did i just did it It, it, i kept doing it kept doing it kept doing it
2: yeah
1: so so when so you said you were working for pack bell and then you're also umpiring uh youth baseball in in your 20s was there who was the first person that was like gave you some kind of instruction? Because as most kids starting out umpiring, you just you just don't know anything. You go out there, you run around, like you said, and you just yeah. kind of learn as you go. So, who was the first guy that said,
0: "Hey, let me teach you a few things"? Well, I, I we stumbled on my uh, I stumbled upon a youth umpire group. Uh, it was called Western Sports Officials. It was a spinoff of of uh, San Gabriel Valley, Umpires Association. A bunch of guys left there, started their own group. And uh, uh, Herb Martin and Jim Snyder, uh, you know, Craig Snyder, (laughs) his dad. Really? Okay. His dad. And they they ran this thing. And Herb and Jim both umpired. And they all had uh, tips. They had, uh, you know, things like, as you well know, try this, see if it works for you. If it doesn't, try something else. Okay. And that's how that's how you roll. You, that's how you got started. And, and uh, that's the only advice that, that really works for you because I can't tell you how to umpire. Mm. I can say, you know what, this works for me, try it. And you'll try it maybe. And if you like it, you'll keep doing it. And if you don't like it, then, then um, you'll call me names when you get home and, and you'll try something <laughs> else. Uh, so that's how and then you work with guys who've been working for a while and they say, you know, boy, that was really dumb. Maybe you should not do that again. And so you wouldn't do it again. And you learn from that and you learn from the fact where <laughs> you would tell yourself, um, boy, that was really dumb. <laughs> and then you wouldn't do it again. So it, it, it's it's that kind of deal where and really nobody gets hurt because you make a mistake. Yeah, It's a baseball game. Uh, a a youth baseball game not that it's not important to people because it is but in the big scheme of things uh nobody nobody really suffers from it except you and on your way to the parking lot when the kid's mother chases you there (laughs) other than that it was was, and harry crosby wasn't even a part of that group showed up at about a half a dozen games i umpired my first year Wow, and he would get me over between innings and say, uh, "Maybe you should try this. Maybe you should try that." And boy, that was a good call. You were in the right spot there. This kind of stuff, and and everybody's there, as you well know, to help you. Yeah, it's amazing when there's a possibility that that somebody could be better than you in three or four years. Yet you're helping them. and it just it works that way yeah Uh, officiating is is a weird deal oh absolutely and you you
1: could take it into any uh profession or hobby or whatever but yeah officiating it it, when you first start there is that hunger and you're taking everything you hear like oh yeah i I am going to try that or i'm i learn i've learned from a great deal of guys bob to your point uh things that are things that are good and things that are bad, you yeah. know. So even the bad lessons, there's still lessons from guys. They're like, I'm not listening to that guy anymore or whatever. So,
0: um, well, most of the bad stuff is just bad because it doesn't work for you.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: it works for them.
1: Hundred um, percent. It doesn't work
0: for you, and that that's you can get rid of that stuff. Yeah. So,
1: so you're umpiring youth baseball, and then where where does the West Covina Dukes come into play, uh Bob, as far as uh, coaching?
0: Well, Mike Mike was. Mike was twelve. Uh, we got we got to a a, a Bronco World Series, uh, and there was a good group of guys, and and a lot of talent. And uh, a guy named Chewy Panado was big into AABCA, an Amateur American Baseball Congress uh, baseball. It's a travel deal. There's no boundaries, no leagues, uh, no. No boards, no this, no that. There was a president and, and uh, people around, I forgot what they were called now, even that, that kind of paid attention to yeah, there was a league, but it was spread out. And and this was in 1989, and, and Chewy Panato knew about it, and he his kid had played there before and played it on our tournament teams. So he got a he got Duke's ear and Duke got my ear, pulled me over on a, on, a, on, a, on Merced by Edgewood High School and said, we're going to try this. So we got another guy, Mike Monday, who was great at fundraising and a good guy. And a, he was a linebacker at, at uh, uh, oh, where was that? Not Oklahoma. Uh, anyway, he played in two Orange Bulls. <laughs> wow. uh, played against Steve Spur. Anyway, that's the kind of guy he was. Uh, failed uh, tryout with the Miami Dolphins. But he was too short, and like everything else, you think you're good until you get there, and then you <laughs> see there's there's 12 guys better than you, yeah. uh, and there's three spots. So uh, his son Mike and my son Mike were the same age, and they grew up playing at Walmart Park, and so we we got together and and, and started this thing, and and we had. 13 guys and the first year uh, we, we uh, qualified for the West region in Seattle, our very first year. And, and if you've ever taken a bus trip to Seattle with 14, 13 year olds and 14 year olds, don't. <laughs> it was an experience I'll never forget and one that I'll never do again. But everybody learned a lot. It was travel. And and part of our deal with the Dukes was always travel when you can. Hmm. Learn to play someplace else. So, you know, and most of the time, mommy's not there. So you don't have to worry about that. And daddy's not there. So we don't have to worry about that. (laughs) And and we, uh, you know, you just go play. And, And the kids, it's some freedom for them uh and they get to learn what to do when you're not playing mm-hmm. uh how to conduct yourself uh, and and we were we were we watched over them pretty well and if they screwed up that we they knew we, we we would get them in a away from things and say yeah come on now yeah <laughs> uh, so they learned discipline and and that kind of stuff and we always said i always said that that success always doesn't have to be with a baseball world mm, very well said it could be anything and yeah guys, some of our former dupes are in military intelligence uh one guy that i would have bet wouldn't have gotten there but he was an army ranger brett green beret went to mit <laughs> so you know they're, all over uh we got a we got a uh a guy that uh, is an agent we've got a uh, one in finance it, it, there after after he got out of triple uh, a baseball he, he got into finance and sprinkled all throughout minor league baseball and five guys that made it to the big leagues
1: well i i guarantee you that all those guys still think back and their best memories are probably with the west Covina dukes i mean yeah, sure, minor leagues and college and their new jobs and everything. But I guarantee you some of them sitting at their desk or, or uh, out on uh, deployment or whatever, they, they probably think back to those days on the diamond with uh, with Bob Lamb and uh, Duke DeFrates and the other coaches, Andy Angelo. I mean, uh, it's just some, some great guys, great leadership. And, and what people got to understand is at the time, the, the, whole, the whole concept of travel baseball was foreign. Now it's very watered down. Yeah. But back then, the West Covina Dukes, it was a big deal to make that team. It was a big deal to go travel and play other places. I mean, did you guys get any pushback from people with, with the idea of, of traveling uh, kids around playing baseball?
0: Well, we, we didn't from people, uh, but when we started to get real successful and have real, real tryouts with 40 and 50 guys, <laughs> uh, some of the leagues got to uh, upset with us because they felt we were stealing their best players. So what we did was we found out when all the other tryouts for all the other leagues were, and we had our tryouts after that. So they knew they were on a team in the league they tried out for and which team they were on before they even came out to try out for us. And so they had a place to go. If one, they didn't make it or two, they would rather, would rather play there. It was their choice, not, not ours. Uh, We had. There was, there was a group of, of kids that came out of a little league. And they'd only played little league. They were, they were 13. And they didn't know about, we had leadoffs and st- all that stuff, played on a bigger field. And they were fairly talented. So we said, look, go play pony for a year. Mm-hmm. Get used to leadoffs and this kind of baseball and then come back. And we will put you right on the team. And they all did it. One guy griped a little bit, wrote a letter saying we were stupid uh, for not taking him. And he didn't say that. He wrote a letter, and I, it was pretty pretty brave of him to do that. Uh, and we took him, and he turned out to be a pretty good baseball player. His name was Mike Young, who uh, just retired from the Texas Rangers. Yeah, Mike Michael Young. Absolutely. Well, that, was that was him. That uh, was him. He was one of those five guys, four guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was serious about it and it served him well very much served him well he, we went to a world series in uh spring texas that year uh and, and and finished third and and so he got to travel and play and he went to uh, santa barbara he he also played a bishop Vermont, mm-hmm. and he went to santa barbara and was drafted by texas and stayed in Texas for a long time, and he was with the Dodgers for a year or two,
2: uh-huh.
0: and then uh, decided it was time to hang him up. and He's in the front office with the Rangers right now.
1: <laughs> crazy, crazy! Hey, go get some experience, kid. Uh, we don't know if you're ready. That's funny yeah. Well, what a we what a
0: concept. We knew he was ready. Yeah. But what kind of playing time could we give him with the guys that we had on the team? Uh, as a matter of fact, we had a kid playing shortstop one year that uh, we, we, he was our shortstop. There was a 13 year old join our team um, and because this kid was our shortstop, the other kid had to play second base. Well, the next year he was our shortstop. He also went to Bishop Vermont. He was a fourth round draft pick for the Toronto Blue Jays, Steve Madrano. So he had to wait a year to play his position because we had a guy playing there, Ozzy Madera, who I, I lost track of. I really don't know what happened. him. he was a great kid, great parents, good baseball player. And I, I, some of the guys you lose track of, especially before all this Facebook and all stuff that I can't figure out, uh, but I, we still get some, some stuff uh, as a matter of fact, I got a happy father's day greeting from a kid who, He's the, he's the, uh, he worked for Scott Boris for a while. Wow. So his agent. He's a great kid, but he was the, the, the son I never had because he was black <laughs> and <laughs> just a, just a, oh, just a sweetheart of a kid. And he sent me a, a Father's Day t- text that uh, I teared up over because I saw his dad twice and never saw his mother at any of the games. In the two years he played on our team. Wow. And he went to college. He needed somebody uh, that was a little more caring about him. Mm. And the coach where he went to college wasn't that. Oh, man. So he got into a little bit of a, you know, match with the coach. And anyway, he didn't didn't get as far in pro baseball as he should have.
1: hmm Wow, that's uh, yeah, that's it. It, well,
0: it is, but he's he's a tremendous man, and and uh, I see him every once in a while. When I worked uh semifinals at Blair, he was there, <laughs> and and uh, so I'd see him all the time. And uh, uh he and my son Mike uh, talk all the time, uh, because Mike's bitter that I call him the son I never had. <laughs> That's
1: fantastic stuff. And you know what? That's what it's all about. I mean, that's why you do what you do, as you mentioned with the Dukes. Uh, it wasn't uh, about teaching a kid how, how to field a ground ball. It's it's being there for kids that really needed it um, and, and helping them grow
0: as adults uh, as well, right? And, and no short, the Dukes thing was there's no shortcut to success. And, and that's mm-hmm. the other thing is, is, yeah, you teach them how to field a ground ball, right? But you teach them how to keep doing it. We, ha- we have one kid who we we uh, uh, recruited out of Walmart Auto Park. And his big deal when he made it out was throwing bats and helmets. He didn't like it. He threw his helmet. He struck out. He threw his bat. So, and we, we recruited him. He was good. And the first practice he was at, I singled him out. And I said, if making, if throwing your bat and helmet made you a better baseball player, we would have nothing but practices throwing bats and helmets <laughs> that doesn't help so we're not going to do that and his name is Danny Heron oh, uh, he a pitcher right us, and he pitched for Oakland and he pitched for the Dodgers he was and his deal his, we always had a deal never pick up a baseball that's laying there with your glove. Mm. always pick it up with your bare hand between your feet always 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 Push-ups if you don't. He said the first time he walked out to the mound in a Major League Baseball game, he bent down to pick up the ball with his glove and stomped and picked it up with his hand. Oh, my goodness. Oh. He, and he, he's told us about that. He said, I, I I picked it up with my hand. Absolutely. And and so, you know, you do some good uh, and, and you meet a lot of great people. I was so, so fortunate to be involved with all those great people, all those years. Mm. Uh, I I don't know what I did right, but uh, I did something right. To to (laughs) have that placed in front of me.
1: Yeah. What a, what a blessing. What an opportunity to work with kids. And man, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of them have some great things to say about you, Bob. You're a humble guy, uh, but, but
0: man. Don't uh, ask some of them. (laughs) (laughs) Some may not. Yeah, you're right. Some may not, but, But there's lawyers in Covina. (laughs) Uh, Duke and I saw a few years ago uh, they they took us to lunch Uh, they were on our team Uh, and you know you remember stuff uh, they remember stuff about how well they did about certain certain situations there was got a a big tall skinny left-handed pitcher that we had Uh, his name won't mean anything it's Jim Bullard Uh, he's the financial advisor now uh, his folks were divorced his mother didn't know one end of a baseball bat from another uh, and his stepfather uh, baseball to him was was a foreign language well for some reason he, he tried out and he, uh, you know a six foot left hander at 13 you're not going to send him away <laughs> you're going to you're going to work on it so we 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 put him on the team and and He was the kind of guy that if he got in trouble, he'd look over to the dugout. He never had any training. Mm -hmm. Never had any training. Pitching, was was, he was a pitcher off balance the whole deal. One game, he was having a little bit of trouble. And he had, I I don't know what the situation was, but he wasn't doing well at all. He looked over the dugout and said, stop looking over here. I am not taking you out. (laughs) And he got out of the (laughs) I'm not coming out there. Jim, I'm taking you out. You're on your own. Go, go, do it. And he, he would, he did it. Yeah. That yeah. I, that's pretty cool. I did that. Yeah. He made it to <laughs> AAA in the White Sox organization. And wow. I don't know how he flamed out, uh, hurt his arm or something like that. I don't. I don't really remember. But we see him. We saw him at Glenn Martinez funeral.
2: Mm.
0: Their baseball coach in high school. Uh, he was there. Uh, uh a lot of the guys were there because most of the guys that played on our team went to Bishop Vermont and they were very successful all the way through their senior years so it, that was pretty cool too but we, we got to see them funerals aren't really a good time to see those people but you get to see them
1: yeah that, that is interesting where you come together on some somber occasions. And uh, unfortunately that's the only time you do see some people. Uh, I I, I hear you there. Well, Bob, you mentioned a lot of different alumni from the Dukes, a lot of guys who've been in the big leagues, uh, had great professional baseball careers. And then of course, the guys who went into uh, things that are, we'll say more important and, you know, but absolutely, you know, (laughs) you know, the, the alumni just speaks volumes to the work that you guys did. Uh, but but real quick, I mean, we got to. You keep mentioning your son, Mike, Mike Lamb. Uh, for those of you that uh, think that name sounds familiar, well, your son had a pretty good career in Major League Baseball. Played almost ten years. Uh, played at your alma mater, uh, Bishop Amat. Played at Cal State Fullerton. Had a good career there. I mean, w- speak about your son's baseball career, if if you will, and, and what it meant for you to see your son reach the big leagues.
0: But it is an interesting situation, Mike's career. When he was a junior, he was on the varsity. He got 18 at bats.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Did not start a game. (laughs) He was supposed to start a game because the second baseman was sick. He got rained out. The next year, he was a third baseman and cleanup hitter. (laughs) When he went to Cal State Fullerton, his first year, he got 128 at bats. Didn't know if he was going to play. We didn't know if he was going to play until we got to the game. His next year, he didn't get many more at-bats. Again, the same situation. As a matter of fact, his first year, they played Stanford in a in a series. Uh, his freshman year, well, he was a redshirt freshman. His playing year, first playing year, they played uh, Stanford, number one team in the country. He drove in the winning run in all three games. Wow. <laughs> it, it, And didn't play the next 10 days. Wasn't in the lineup. So the next year, he got a a few more at-bats, started a little bit, played all around, played second base, played uh, first base. Played. He was the second baseman on the only nine-inning no-hitter in Fullerton history, I believe. Uh, Ted Silva was the starting pitcher that game. And he was the second baseman in that game, a nine-inning no-hitter. And didn't play again after that. Well, Augie Garrido, that was his last year there, and George Horton took over. And not that it was mattered who was the coach, but Mike was the third baseman and number three hitter the next year. <laughs> so his high school career replicated in college. Wow. And he went from a 32nd-round 30, 30, 30 draft pick to a seventh-round draft pick his last year but mm-hmm. uh, and, and he signed with signed with um, uh houston or the the uh, uh arlington dallas rangers 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 texas rangers yeah it's a whole state not just the city <laughs> uh, he signed with them and almost the same thing happened moved up moved down moved down moved up three different managers in the three years he played there and then his agent uh finally got him traded to the yankees because his agent's in new york now 10 days after mike's traded to the yankees guess who's traded to the yankees a-rod a-rod <laughs> so mike knew his, his days in in the in new york were numbered and that was fine and, and he called me one day and he says, I'm either going to be a Brave or an Astro. They're going to trade me somewhere. And the next day he called, he said, I'm an Astro. And in and out of the lineup still, in and out of the lineup. Uh, it, you never knew, um, through his minor league career, he played every day. Mm-hmm. He has a record for most games uh, with... Uh, without an error at, uh, when he played in Charlotte uh, for the for Charlotte Rangers. Uh, I've got a second base bag here. He broke the record for doubles in Tulsa <laughs> all the way through. Uh, they brought him up. Uh, it's it's funny to go through that. We were listening to one of his games uh, uh, on the radio. It was one of his last games on the computer, and he called right after, and I said, what are what you calling for? He says, I'm sitting here by myself. I said, why? Did you get kicked off the team? He said, no. He said, they moved me up to Oklahoma City AAA for the playoffs. I said, that's great. He said, no, I want to be with the rest of my team. I was with them all year. Mm. Stay with them. Well, I don't think you have a choice here. (laughs) Uh, So he went to Oklahoma City, led the team in RBIs in the playoffs, and then played all the time. Now, he was supposed to, the next year, split time between himself and Todd Zeal on the Rangers. Well, <laughs> Todd Zeal signed with the Mets. So Mike, we're watching, Mike's watching uh, ESPN and there's a crawl across the bottom of the screen that says Todd Zeal signed with the Mets. And Mike looked at the ceiling, he said, does that make me the third baseman of the Texas Rangers? <laughs> So that's how he found out, and that was that was wild because he wasn't ready for that, and he let too many things in his head, and inconsistent. um, Could hit, but his fielding wasn't quite where it should be. Up and down, up and down. Houston, play not play, play not play, play not play. Uh, Pinch hit, do well. Pinch hit, you know, not do well. Was the. 29th player in Major League history at home run his first at-bat in the World Series. Wow. He is the first Houston Astro to get a hit, a home run, and score run in the World Series. And then didn't play on and off. uh, Didn't play on and off every year. They traded for somebody else at the trade deadline uh, that couldn't play anyway uh, just because for some reason, I don't know, maybe somebody didn't like him, but, uh, but he made it and, and uh, uh, he went to a couple of different teams and then it got, he got to, he got to be too old to be a rookie anymore and uh, they stopped calling him. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, for his talent level, he stayed there a long time uh, and and he'll never have to set his alarm. <laughs>
1: I totally understand what you mean by that statement. I hope everyone else follows as well. Yeah. You know, uh, Mike Lamb sounds like, uh, that player to be named later that you hear about in a lot of trades. That's probably him. <laughs> That's not a bad way to put it. The,
0: the two times he was traded, he was traded for a minor league pitcher that never made it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he's real happy about that. Uh, <laughs> but you know, th- Pulaski, Virginia was his first stop, and that's, that, he, he called me when he got there, and he says, I'm in Mayberry, we went to visit him, to watch him play, and there's, there was two street, streetlights in the, in this town, one up on the highway, and the other in the middle of town, two lights. that's it, wow. and, and it, they played at an old football stadium, but those fans loved their team, mm. Page they they, and and you listen to the old old people. it used to be Atlanta Brave uh, team, minor league team, and you listen to those guys talk because they didn't know who I was. I'd walk around and listen, and those people they knew their baseball, they knew their players, they they knew they just had a ball watching those games. It was just a deal. Wow, that and is that is cool. It really it really it really was uh, those and there's nothing to do. live at Blacksburg an hour away from the stadium he and three other guys he never met and and it's a way to start and it, it weeds them out not none of those guys that he roomed with this first year made it
1: well and that's the thing you know I I spent some time in the minor leagues as an umpire and it was brief and it's but what people whether you're a player a coach an umpire uh, what people don't understand is that a lot of guys go from being the star in high school or going to college and having all this special treatment and these great facilities and everything, and then hey, welcome to pro baseball. Yeah, and it's you know small town and uh,
0: <laughs> it's like we're Monday with the Dolphins. Uh, there was a, a kid at uh, well Edmond High School. I was umpiring a game there and the catcher told me, he said, ah, two of our guys are going to Cal State Fuller and the pitcher in the center fielder. Rudy Simpson, I think his name was. Simpson was his last name. And at that time, uh, because Mike had gone there, uh, a group of us umpires were umpiring the the practice games they were playing with each other at Cal State Fuller in January.
2: Mm. So
0: we got down there to, and I talked to him during that game and then so i said well i'll see you in january because we get the umpire down there so i'm up, i go down here and i'm playing there he goes hey rudy, I didn't know. well the season starts and he's not there but what happened to rudy I'm, I'm checking box scores and looking he, he's not there well a couple of years later i'm working a game uh, a, a division one game and there he is he's in left field I said, Rudy, what, what happened at Cal State Fullerton? He says, well, in high school, I was big, I was strong, I could throw, and I could run. I could hit. When I got to Cal State Fullerton, there was 14 other guys there, at least that good. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Well, so you learn. Uh,
0: I don't know what happened to him after college. Uh, I don't even remember what happened to him in that game, but, but he was at Northridge. Division One, Northridge. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know about the school, school, but the, 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 the there he is, a, a solid superstar high school guy, <clears throat> winds up not making a Cal State Fullerton because of all the other guys that are already there. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's <laughs> You're right.
0: I mean, that's exactly that's exactly the way it is.
1: A tale as old as time. Uh, let me let me ask you real quick about uh, Mike's career again. You got to travel and see him in some pretty cool places. I got to imagine if you had to pick, did you like going to those minor league cities just for kicks or, or was it really cool going into some of these cathedrals that they call uh, major league stadiums? What were some of your favorite places, minor league and major league that you got to go see your son play?
0: Well, uh, Pulaski, Virginia was different. So that was kind of neat uh, because it was so small and, and everybody knew everybody and it was a small town Appalachian league. Uh, uh, deal. The, the The stadium was down in a little ravine type thing, and people that lived up on the hill would sit in their front porch and watch the game. So, I mean, that that's what kind of deal that was. So that was fun. Tulsa, Tulsa was pretty good, uh, mostly because he did well. Uh, Oklahoma City was was okay. Um, Port Charlotte was in Florida. <clears throat> the only thing about Port Charlotte was we planned about a two week. Uh, vacation type thing in Port Charlotte and we followed him and we drove from Port Charlotte to Vero Beach, Florida and growing up Dodgers yeah we got to see Vero Beach wow and that was awesome <laughs> that was awesome and then uh uh but Yankee Stadium we were we got I guess see the old Yankee Stadium we didn't go too many places in the big leagues because it presented a problem for him. Oh. We we watched him play in, in Fenway. Because we had I had to go to Fenway. Watched him play at Yankee Stadium, the old one, and watched him play in Wrigley. And those were the places I really cared to go to. So we got to watch him play and visit all those those three uh stadiums. And and that was you know, you're you're you walk into you walk into Fenway and there's a red seat <laughs> up in right field where Ted Williams hit a ball. Wow. And you're thinking, man, Ted Williams played here. And <laughs> Dave Ruth played here. <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, uh, Ernie Banks played here and, and all that so you're going, they, they were here. And okay. it, it was it was you you just you couldn't talk. You just sat there and looked around. Man man, this is cool. And where does Harry Carey sit? Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, to, 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 I mean, in that moment to rewind and remember the first time you're playing catch with your son to now watching him in Wrigley Field Fenway Park. I mean, that had to just be, uh, an overwhelming experience to to see your son. It was
0: almost like watching a different person. (laughs) It was almost like not, that's not the kid I played catch with when he was growing up. Yeah. He was, he was uh, an adult, a man, playing with other men at a high level and playing catch in the backyard. I had to make him go chase the ball that he didn't throw to me so I could catch it. <laughs> so the next time he threw the ball, I could catch it. Otherwise, he'd have to chase it again. <laughs> he didn't have a huge backyard, but he got tired of chasing the ball, so he started throwing the ball better.
2: Mm.
0: That kind of... You know, you know and. I, I never forced anything on him. I said, you know, Mike, uh, he he was brought up to be a switch hitter, which he was in college. Mm. And, and uh, I I don't, oh, Mike, you going, we're going to play today. You want me to take you out and get a little right-handed or left-handed? What do you want? No, I'm fine. Okay. All right. I'm not going to take you out hit you some ground balls. No, no. He didn't, he wasn't that interested in the extra stuff then. But you, you... when we got to uh, Port Charlotte, uh, not Port Charlotte. Uh, Pulaski, my, my <laughs> wife's folks came. They lived in South Carolina, so they were down there, and we were sitting at a pool eating lunch. And Mike says, "Well, I gotta go." And I said, "Mike, it's one o'clock. game not till seven. Yeah, early work." Yep. yep. Okay. So he was ready to put in the work then. I told him if if after the season's over and all all the managers and all the coaches from all the uh, leagues get together. And they ask your manager who's the hardest working player on your team, and your name comes up. You'll be in the big leagues.
1: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: If if,
1: if you think uh, professional baseball is just a four hour day, you're 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 dead wrong. No. It's uh, the guys that get there are the ones, and you know what? What's what? I'm sad, sad to say it. There's plenty of guys who work just as hard who don't make it. I Good mean, day, it's, it's, yeah. uh, that's been one constant theme here in our, in our talk, Bob, uh, that's just the way things are yeah. sometimes. And Hey, if, if you had to sum it up, I, you've mentioned a ton of things with Mike's career. What is probably the number one thing that jumps out to you from, from his career? Is it playing in a world series? What, what is something that's probably the most memorable for you to, if you had to pick one? I mean, I know well, that it's, it's, it's not so much
0: one circ- instance or circumstance, it's the fact that he was able to make adjustments, make was able to do the things he needed to do to stay in the big leagues for almost 10 years. Yeah. It it because he doesn't have a tremendous amount of talent. You're not going to confuse him with A Rod or even Mike Young for that matter. He wasn't that into into it. Mike Young is, is rabid. He was rabid about the game and it shows. And and Mike wasn't quite that rabid about it, but he was. Enough to make the, enough adjustments to stay and to work hard enough to stay. He he worked hard enough that he could have been better, maybe should have been better. I don't know. But he stayed. He had a lot of reasons to quit. He really did. Well, he he did. A, you yeah. Know, he <laughs> I pulled the old Mickey Mantle thing on him. He called me from uh, Pulaski. He says, Dad, I just can't seem to hit it. I said, oh okay, Mike. I said, do you need you need money or do you have enough? He said, for what? I said, the plane ticket home, you're wasting your time. <laughs> he said, well, what? what, what why? I said, you're wasting your time if you can't hit. Get out of the way and let somebody else play. Well, maybe I'll stick it out a little longer. Yeah, maybe you ought to. I love,
1: I love, I love <laughs> maybe, the tough. Maybe you ought to. I love the tough dad love there, Bob.
0: Great yeah. stuff there wasn't there wasn't any point in staying yeah no he knew me so maybe that had you know, well a, a great career uh bob It's it, it's
1: i know i could tell you you're you're, uh, you're a proud dad because you throw you've thrown out all kind you got no notes in front of you you got you're throwing out all these different uh numbers and things uh from your son uh, mike and his big league career that's phenomenal and i know you know some of these numbers but 69 career home runs in the big leagues is that right i think, right? so.
0: think it's 69 uh, and I don't know his batting average. It's it's a little low because he did a lot of pinch hitting. It says here two seventy six, but you know, uh, that's, and that's not bad. Even the fact he he did a lot of pinch hitting, which is kind of tough. Yeah, uh, but but yeah, it's not it's not bad. Um, I, I don't know how many RBIs he had, but he had he didn't strike out a lot. Yeah, you know that. Um, and and he. he he said i'd rather hit the ball back to the pitcher than strike out i said oh. well, he going to be doing that <laughs> maybe i ought to try missing him next time i don't know <laughs> that's funny so <laughs> yeah
1: he'll he'll never have to set an alarm that's great uh, what what's what's he doing these days uh except for uh, you know uh shuttling around your your grandkids and uh
0: being there well, at their games and things well that's that's pretty much a, a, about it like i said he doesn't have to set his alarm but when he was trying to get back into baseball. He, he didn't think he was through. He signed on with an independent team. And he was losing money because he didn't make enough playing independent baseball to pay for his house or all that stuff. So his, his wife got her old job back and actually working from home and this was a long time ago. This was uh, gosh, I can't. I, I don't my, 19 It's been at least 10 years. Maybe 12. Wow. So his wife got her old job back working from home and she made enough money that they could live. They could keep the house and all that. So when he finally finished playing, uh, they have, they've got her money still coming in. She enjoyed working. So she works from home and he takes the kids to school and picks them up and has a good time.
1: That sounds like a great
0: time. Absolutely. Get to do what he wants to do. And wow he enjoys it the kids enjoy it i know that uh and and good stuff uh, yeah, good stuff they've, bob they well, five of my houses into his <laughs> <laughs> Actually, no, i'm just uh, he's he's they they save their money uh they 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 uh one of their cars had 193,000 miles on it when they traded it in him. wow so uh And and that was a Toyota Sequoia. (laughs) They don't don't spend a lot of money and do a lot of crazy things. Uh, Because Mike remembers growing up in this house when we didn't have a lot of money. And the lessons he learned from that, uh, where you you might be able to get another month out of those shoes. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> I like
1: it. I love, That's great and stuff.
0: That, that's right. I had cardboard in the bottom of my shoes growing up
2: <laughs> uh,
0: because there was holes in them. Yeah. And and we 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 just my mom wasn't working and my dad had a decent job. I don't know how much he made. They never said. But we were we weren't hungry. But I had rubber bands around my socks because of the elastic and holes in my shoes, and I'm here. I'm sitting here uh, uh, and, and those days are gone and this is fine and I can afford shoes now. So play ball.
1: Hey, play ball indeed. Well, <laughs> well Bob, let me, let's get back to, uh, to your umpiring. We talked about the Dukes and how you were umpiring youth baseball and everything. When did you, when did you join the uh, Foothill Citrus high school unit uh how did that all come about uh and what made you kind of take the leap into high school because there has always been this like I don't know this uh bashing of heads between like youth ball umpires and and high school umpires and and you excelled quickly you went from high school to, to college baseball even
0: but kind of when did you join Foothill Citrus Well, I joined in 1986 and I wasn't gonna I didn't think I was good enough I didn't think I was good enough for high school but I was very fortunate in that the youth group I worked for, there were some guys that worked high school baseball in the group. Uh, I don't know what, you, you probably won't remember, Bob Gaisley was in that group. Wayne Hammond was in the group. You remember Bob Honig, he was in the group. Uh, and later on, as, as I moved up in that group, I'm sorry. Well, later on, when that group disbanded, I moved into the San Gabriel group. Uh, Ed Garrell ran that. And when you got into some of the higher levels of tournament, you worked with better umpires. <laughs> I worked with Ken Allen and Bobby Simmons in a tournament game before I even knew who they were, before they knew who I was. And all the time, I kept hearing, you know, why don't you, why don't you come in high school? Why don't you join high school? Man, nah, I'm not good enough for high school. I, I, so in 1986, I said, well, heck, I'll give it a try, and I'll just do everything they tell me to do. I'll be quiet, which isn't like me, and I will listen, and I will try, like we talked earlier, try the things that they suggest, and if I don't like them, try something else. So in 1986, I I joined, and by 1989, I was a crew chief a playoff. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, actually, I, I it was, uh, do you remember Jim Graham? No. Oh, okay. big, uh, fail is physical for the Green Bay Packers. Big man, <laughs> gruff man, a fine college umpire, uh, came out of boys, Republic, uh, uh a very kind man. When you got to know him, know him, but gruff is all get out, uh, <laughs> He called me, and he, uh, there. actually, there was a message. I, we went out to dinner. Marie and I went out for dinner. When I got home, there's a message on the machine that said, call Jim Graham. So I called him. He says, well, since you're the first one to call me back, I got a second round playoff game for you. Okay. So I, I took the game, and I was working with Bob Gaisley and a guy named Tom Bain, who I worked the first play round playoff game with. And the game went fine. I was on the plate. And I was fortunate enough where you get those games where both pitchers could actually throw strikes, (laughs) which is, you know, how, how important that is. And the game went well. And even the losing team told me I did a good job. And it it just took off from there. Um, uh, I got high ratings when the ratings were going on and, and uh, uh, John Duncan was in that group and he, he made me an assistant instructor with, with him when they had two instructors when we were meeting at West Covina High School. Uh, and so it just went from there. And I, I, I like instructing. I like talking about it. I was an instructor in basketball and football and baseball. And I just enjoyed talking about it and listening to what other people said and playing off that and saying okay well you know that was good but try this or you know this is what I'd have said uh, but you can't say what I'd have said because that might get you in trouble whereas I can get away with it for some reason Uh, but so I it just went off from there and and I got to be an instructor and I got I got roped into running for president because I wasn't there at a meeting because I was in pulaski watching mike play and i came back and i find out i'm running for president and i won so i was on the board and i ran for president i was a president and went through the whole shooting and match and, and just got to be where people didn't mind working with me hmm. uh, they could trust me and they knew i knew what i was doing and uh, coaches reacted positively to me most of the time and if they didn't i could usually change that. So it just worked from there. And, and I, I was telling this, in my class, I I got most of my promotions from answering the phone. <laughs> I answered the phone on a Friday and it was the coach at Pomona Pitzer. And he says, we got no umpires this afternoon. I got another guy to work the bases. Would you come out and work the plate?" All right. They had to tell me where Pomona-Pitzer was. (laughs) Small D3 school. Yeah, D3. So I go out there and I work the game. And and as he's paying us, he, uh, he says, wait a minute to me. He says, would you like to do this for? I said, well, yeah, that was all right. He says, well, the other coach and I will write a letter to the assigner recommending you.
1: To, the, to, to umpire college to umpire baseball division
0: three. yeah, yeah. Uh, during the season next year okay I, what the hell I answered the phone i answered the phone again it was the assigner i understand you okay so come on out to our meeting and at that point there was division one guys working in the division three group so <laughs> you, you're constantly uh, around people that work higher levels Mm-hmm. They know what they're doing. And I'm I'm working division three, going, God, that's that guy worked at it. That's Larry Randall. That's this guy. That's that guy. And I'm going, man, that's Vic Bernstein. I don't belong in this room. <laughs> and then and eventually I at least belonged in it. Um and I and I I just kept working it. And I, I actually worked two division three regions in a row. That's the step before their World Series. Yeah. And so I, I got that to that level in that group, and and uh, so I, I, I and it, one of my one of my my probably my most proud uh, achievement in in umpiring was I got to work three Connie Mack World Series. Oh wow! I was the only guy west of Colorado working on those crews. Yeah. Those guys from michigan ohio florida new york texas colorado they're all over the country what age is connie mack connie mack is uh there there would be a junior college or a year before a division one oh, okay uh that can even i'm trying to think uh, yeah uh connie mack the next year i worked the region, and there was a guy that remembered me playing in the region. So he went from Connie Mack to Division Three college. And uh, so Connie Mack was, I answered the phone. Hello, this is so-and-so from AABC. We'd like to invite you to work the Connie Mack World Series. Uh, well, after I picked the phone up, <laughs> I said, well, sure. I, I, uh, I, absolutely. So I got to work three of those. Back-to-back, two of them, which is generally unheard of.
2: Yeah. Oh, how fun. Oh, Uh, it was a blast.
0: Hey, you know what? You can't get these calls unless you pick up the phone,
1: Bob. That seems like the the moral of the story.
0: (laughs) Somebody actually called me to do it. And uh, to your other... I worked several uh, California League games. Yeah, yeah, you were... (laughs) You were a fill-in, right? Like yeah. the
1: local fill-in when they needed they needed guys, and so you had the opportunity to umpire uh, with well, minor league umpires at the time, but a few guys that eventually Chris got Cuccioni. to the big leagues. Chris Cucchioni,
0: Chris Cucchioni, yeah, yeah, I worked with him. He still remembers me. Uh, I, I we 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 had a series in Lake Elsinore, the last series of the year. So yeah, but again, I answered the phone. <laughs> Bob, this is Kathy from the California League office. Uh, uh, I was told to call you to work. I need you in uh, in uh, Lake Elsinore for a for a, a 705 seven first pitch. I said, when? She says, today. So I didn't have time to think about it. <laughs> and Did I, it. And I worked. I'm sitting in the locker room by myself thinking, oh, good. A one-man game. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And then I hear his voice, Vic Bernstein, coming up the hallway to the dressing room. He had the plate. Uh, <laughs> really fine Division One umpire. So we worked quite a few of those games together. And yeah, I, I got to, I got, a, I got a kind of a taste of, of, of that. And, and a, a kind of a side story of that, I, I was working a three-game series uh, and Scott Kulbaugh Mike's brother, Mike was a guy that was killed by that line drive. Oh, the third base coach. The minor league coach? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his brother managed the team in the California League. Well, I'm out there and I worked the plate the first night and I'm standing on the bases and we finished the pregame and he's not leaving. So I kind of move off to the side and he follows me. And he says, I just wanted to tell you that my catcher thought you did a great job yesterday. And he says, you did something that's missing from some of the rest of our minor league umpires. You seem to care if you got the call, right. <laughs> I, and that told me a uh, kind of a story and they, Chris is the only guy I worked with that made it. Yeah. Didn't you tell, him, didn't you?
1: Years. Oh yeah. Didn't you say, I've, I've, I've heard all your stories, Bob. I love hearing them. all oh, again. No, no. But didn't you tell me, are you t- didn't you go home that night the first time you with worked with Chris Guccione? And didn't you tell your wife or somebody? I just worked with the best umpire yeah. I've ever worked. Something That's like the best
0: that. minor league umpire I've worked with. Yeah, I told yeah. my wife that. And fast forward, there he is.
1: yeah, in the big then he's in the big leagues. Yeah. Uh, a two-time World Series umpire, uh, one serious. of the best. Yeah, one yeah. of the best
0: in the business. I, I love Guccione. Yeah. He worked. He worked more minor league games then most guys work major league games in the years that he worked minor league ball. I'm sorry. He worked more major league games. Yeah. A lot of guys work major league games and he wasn't on a crew. So he didn't get the, he didn't get the time. He didn't, it didn't go towards retirement. Yeah. An up and down
1: guy for a long yeah. time before officially being hired. Yeah. A guy that he, he like, like your son
0: hung in there, just, you know, Hey, he
1: did. waiting and waiting he and waiting. Did.
0: And, 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 he was talking about talking about wives he was talking about his wife he's from Colorado
2: mm-hmm.
0: and he was talking about his wife you're in the locker room you know just because you're there three o'clock for a seven o'clock game and where's it there because I want to make sure Lake Elsinore not real close to where I live <laughs> so you have to go freeways and stuff so you know you get there and he gets there and you're talking about it and then, And he was very uh, appreciative of the way his wife was handling the fact that he wanted to be a Major League Baseball umpire, knowing that 99% of them don't make it. Yeah, Because it's like baseball. You're you're drafted on a baseball team, and the next year, 50 guys are drafted on a baseball team, and the next year, 50 more guys are drafted. (laughs) And it's harder as an umpire because no umpires are fired yeah and you retire <laughs> so you got a guy standing in front of you that's i don't know 60 that's got another 12 years ahead of him mm-hmm. and you're what uh, 40 now yeah <laughs> so 52 is not a good starting spot for the big leagues mm-hmm. so y- it's tough but yeah. i I'm, I'm pleased i got to see him when mike was uh, in minnesota we went for opening, uh, uh, opening series and he was on the crew and, uh, Charlie Relaford was the, uh, was the, uh, crew chief. He's like, my, he's like my grandfather, what a sweet guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, and, and the God, the president brother of the, uh, LA unit high school, I forgot his name. Uh, he was on that crew. Um, Anyway, uh, and, and it was <laughs> uh, Ruggy Brian Ruggy was on that crew. Ruggy, okay. And I got to see him. And after one of the games, I went and knocked on the locker room and the, the guy shoot me away. And I said, well, I, I, Chris Buccioni invited me here after the game. And he opened the door. He says, hey, there's Bob Lamb here. That, Chris, yeah, let him in. So I got to be in in the locker room after <laughs> the game to, to listen to some of the stuff that they talked wow. about. Uh, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting situation because when I went to the Connie Mack World Series, nobody knew me. Nobody knew. I've never seen these guys before. Yeah, yeah. But officiating, as I'm sure you found out, is something that you have to prove you can't do to the people you're working with. Yeah. You don't have to prove you can they <laughs> yeah. know you can because you're there. Sure. And and they take you like they work with you the whole lives. Yep. And it's just, I don't know of any other situations like that because you're not they're not bucking to be better than you or to be anything. They're just out there on part of the game. So that was that was pretty cool. Oh. I, I enjoy that part of it. Uh and all the little bit of travels I've done in California and and. Uh, Pony League World Series, yeah. in Washington, Pennsylvania, and and uh, those World Series was uh it's just it's just different.
1: Yeah, uh, you got a you've got a great career, Bob. You, you've uh, done yeah. it at all the different levels, and and again, it's about the memories and the people you meet. Really, um, let me let me ask you about football. You've been this baseball guy for your entire life, mm. and and then one day, yeah, uh, okay. I know you. I know you officiated basketball too, but. Football is where I met the legendary Bob Lamb in 2007. I decided, you know what, I'm going to dive into officiating, not just one sport, not just two, but all three. And the first one I did because of the calendar year was football. And uh, I walk into this classroom, not having any idea what to expect. Same as me when I started. Yeah. (laughs) And the first year instructor is Bob Lamb, and the story started. I stuck with it. Came I stuck. It. I, I came back. Oh. And I remember, Bob, I have a, a bunch of quotes from you that I remember, but oh. what, one of the simplest ones I remember is guys were teaching and talking about all these different things you had to do as an official. And you said, guys, don't worry about all that stuff. We are going to focus on where do I stand and what do I look for? <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Let's start at, at uh, yeah, you know, yeah, what am I watching? I, <laughs> you can know you can know the rules and you can know you know all of that stuff uh a first touching and blah, 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 but where do i stand and what do i look for mhm get that first that let's that's the rest of it it'll, it'll come along
1: let's, let's crawl know. yeah crawl before we can walk and and one thing i i just i remember you told us in that meeting you said uh Guys, if you want to do well at this, you want to uh, succeed. You got to go out and watch guys work. And hey, come come hang out with the crew at the locker room. Be on the sideline. I thought I was like, wait a minute, we're we're gonna be allowed to go watch football games like on the sideline for free and learn from the guy? Like that was like uh, music to my ears. And I said, I know. I said, I'm in. I'm in every Thursday night, every Friday night. Bob,
0: there was no doubt about (laughs) it. I I looked over (laughs) from the Uh, across the table at the pizza place and and there was matt he asked a question and listened you asked a question and listened, and you were there every week you were on the field with different guys every week so everybody got to know who you were everybody got to know you had a brain and everybody got to know you were serious and everybody got to know that this is the kind of guy i would like to work with
2: oh appreciate that that is
1: how you do it well, I learned so much from you, Bob. Uh, and, and as you, as you've told me many times, uh, a lot of those lessons it was not so much in a classroom. I think we all learn a lot better when there's a, a slice of pizza and, and a cold beer or
0: another beverage in front of us, right? Well, there is, especially because there's a guy across the table that's made the same mistakes you're going to make. Yeah, and he's going to tell you about it mm-hmm. without without worrying that that you're going to think he's really bad or that that it. Uh, he, you make the mistake and you go to peachy and say this is what i did tonight and everybody learns not to do that Mm. and it 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 just it's it helps and you know humanizes everybody and so you're not looking at uh, a name you're looking at a person and and you're hearing what they did and what they didn't do and what they think they need to do to make it better and and you're the you are the you're the poster child for how you get ahead in football because you've got a full varsity schedule your second year i believe yeah yeah Rough, roughly nobody nobody <laughs> nobody does that i got a varsity game my first year because i did baseball and basketball i didn't get a full varsity schedule till probably year five wow and and mo- a lot of guys when they first started because there was fewer schools didn't get varsity schedules for six or seven years. Full varsity
1: <laughs> schedule. Wow. That's Wow, uh, that's crazy. Hard to, believe. I, I was just, I was, I was hooked on everything I, I was hooked on. I had been coaching for years and this was a new direction for me. Yeah. And I learned, I learned so much about the camaraderie of it all. I mean, oh, absolutely getting together on Friday nights to hear about, as you said, what not to do, what, uh, things that worked, hearing about games. Uh, how was your game? You know, oh, you wouldn't believe what uh, so-and-so did, <laughs> you know? Oh. And one um, moment, this is baseball related, Bob, but it was, it was something for me where I really saw how special the relationship was amongst officials and Friday nights in football season or, or Friday evenings in baseball season, because of day games, the officials of the high school unit, we get together, Uh, Have a soda or beer and pizza or whatever, and just socialize and talk and 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 learn, which is important. But one thing I I will never forget it. It jumped out to me. I never I knew Bill Lewis was a a first year my first year instructor in baseball, and I didn't know him. I didn't. My first year was unfortunately his last year uh, on this earth because he was very sick. He was there, Uh, but I will never forget showing up with you guys on Friday afternoons, Friday evenings for baseball, after baseball games. And you guys would have your beer, pitcher of beer, and you'd always pour a glass for Bill Lewis. For Bill Lewis, yeah. in an empty chair. And and that was so, that spoke volumes to me about the brotherhood. The brotherhood of officiating. Tip Bill's glass.
0: Tip, yep. You know, I'm looking at his t-shirt right now. They have t-shirts with his face on it. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at it. It's right here in front of me <laughs> in, in the room I'm in. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, it, and his brother was a football coach at Ballin Park. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, do- he still might be there. I haven't been to Ballin Park in a while, but he still might be there. Uh, last baseball game I had there, he was still there. He, wasn't, he uh, obviously wasn't coaching baseball, but uh, he was the guy, NCOIC, as it were, and uh, uh, the administrator—that's what they call him.
2: Mm.
0: He's the game administrator, and he was out in the parking lot, you know, talking to us after the game. But yeah, Bill Lewis.
1: I just—it uh, was a pleasure to get to know him briefly. But again, the, the moral of the story for me is just—I learned real quick how special this brotherhood is with mm. officiating. And and uh, when someone uh, you know left, you know, unfortunately passed away, uh, you guys, your love of him and just sure. uh, having him with you. Uh, I was like, okay, there's something special to this craft and I want to keep doing it. And well, because
0: uh, we're guys. Yeah. Guys guys don't usually do that. We don't, we don't pour beer set a table setting for for Aunt Martha who uh, <laughs> you know, gave us uh, socks on Christmas. But uh yeah, it was it was poor Bill's beer, poor beer for Bill. I'd forgotten about that, but yeah, mm. we did.
1: No, absolutely did so so special and uh, something I love. Uh, uh, You taught me a lot of things, Uh, Bob. uh, I mean, little quotes that just jump out that I remember. I remember one of the first lessons in football. You taught me when two flags are on the play. You know, you told a story about a guy saying, uh, "Hey, I got what you got,"
0: and then you you were (laughs) like, "You're like, okay, well, what do
1: I got?" That was me. I
0: was so happy I saw that hold. Running back come out and hold, and I threw my flag, and the White hatch flag was on the field, and he comes up to me, and he says, and, and these were in the days where he didn't goof with the referees, and it's a little different now, but uh, they were they were fairly serious, uh, and, and he said, what do you got? And I said, I got the same thing you got. And he says, okay, what do I have? And I said, God, <laughs> that was the wrong answer.
2: <laughs> no, Lesson
0: lesson right holding on the running back he says well that's what i had but don't ever come up to a white hat and and uh, tell him a penalty don't not like that Do not assume i mean uh, uh no. communication no. is a good thing um and the me too flag yeah me too the me too flag. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely. don't ever throw me too uh, no unless you see it don't tell yes. it
1: yes the me too flag um you know one of my greatest honors Bob, I got to tell you, uh, was working my first, uh, final in any sport. It was an eight man CIF football championship game, uh, out at uh, faith Baptist and coast union in <laughs> 2013. And it was an incredible honor to be selected. Uh, I had played eight man football, so it was kind of ironic and, and special to me, but it was a tremendous honor, my friend, to work the game with you. You were the white hat and, uh, I was a, I was the headlinesman.
0: You and, were not, were you? No, oh, you were the white I don't, hat. I don't know which game you're talking about. You were the white I hat.
2: Remember,
0: yeah. Another white hat was supposed to do it. He had a college game. He had a college game. So I was the white hat. That was a game where it was on television and the TV camera was on the other side. So I had to yeah. give my signals to both sides.
1: Yeah. faith, And that people were sitting I, in lawn chairs and, <laughs> Lawn
0: chairs, and we got cookies after the game. Yeah, that's so, right. The coach's wife baked cookies. Yeah, I, I I was thinking of a different game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a game where it got way out of hand, and he, the coach was still passing. Yes, yes, that was the uh, one. Yeah, and I, I, without having to tell you, without having to say a word to you, you went and told the coach, don't do that anymore. Yeah. Because <laughs> I called a hold uh and he threw a pass I called a hold brought it back he said who who was it on I said it didn't matter yeah <laughs> Turned around and he said because so I went over to the line the defensive line I said okay guys listen if they throw a pass again you guys give me a number of who you want me to call the holding penalty on." and they thought that was the greatest thing they'd ever heard but he didn't pass again because you talked to the coach and he didn't do it again. No, no. And again, lessons from you.
1: And and they were winning by 40-50 points. Oh, it was it was a mess. It, it was it, ugly. It was bad. And it was like the throwing passes is completely unnecessary right now. Yeah, uh let's not a good, not a good let's, look. Let's call another play there, shall we? And and yeah. you know what I told them. or
0: something. I don't know. <laughs> when, you, <laughs> when you did that
1: and I had a conversation with him, uh, things got better and the game just ended, you know. Yeah, things
0: was, got yeah. Well. That's, that's uh, uh, working together. That's game awareness. Knowing what's going on and having a feel for what you, what's go, what's happening. I didn't have to tell you to talk to the coach. You talked to the coach because you knew the situation. <laughs> you knew what was going on. And yeah. you were over there the whole game. So if I went over there, it would have been a different situation. Uh, you could talk to him because you've been there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like when I was on the sideline, I could talk to a coach because i have been there the the whole game or whatever part of the game there was. And one of my favorite, I use this in my first final at the Home Depot Center, stuff up center, the team that my sideline was getting butchered. They were, they were getting, they were getting killed. So they go up for halftime and the coaches are standing outside the locker room. And I walked up and they were both, they're all quiet and they looked at me like I was going to say something, you know. And I said, look guys, my sideline has won every game I've been on this year. Don't let me down. <laughs> oh, we'll try not to. We'll try. I was their friend the rest of the game. Yeah, it was, I was human. I was. I was paying attention to the game. I was. I understood their predicament. Yeah, and they. They. They thought that was, and I. So I had a great time the second half. You've also been on the uh, sidelines where you're
1: not very popular, Bob, no, and it was, yeah, well, it was in
2: the,
1: the same stadium, and I was actually working the chains behind yeah. you in a state final game, and it was Concord yeah. de La
0: Salle, and uh, yeah. you were not very popular that, well, not all night, but a few times. <laughs> a couple of times. One of them I don't think was my fault, but but I don't want to blame anybody in particular, but uh, it wasn't, um, yeah. so I couldn't answer his question, and, yeah. and had there been a question, I couldn't have answered it. <laughs> but all those three guys wanted to do was yell at me, so I let them yell at me a little bit. I yelled. I counted the kickoff. I don't know half a dozen times, and then I finally said, "Is there a question in there?" Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't have one, so they stopped. And but the other thing is, I don't blame them. Yeah,
2: I don't understand blame they them. Mad. I hung out
0: to dry, and there was there, there really wasn't anything I could do. So. Uh, but they they stopped right away they were losing that game which was real uncomfortable for them and, and uncharted territory oh yeah didn't know to be losing oh yeah
1: um that was again a, a very special treat for me being working the change behind Bob lamb while you're working uh, the game uh, just just a fun memory and a great experience for me one one that I will uh, always remember yeah, um, i, I, I had a,
0: I'll never forget that game either I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't as comfortable throughout the whole thing as I'd like to have been. Uh, I didn't go in overconfident, but I came out wondering, God, do I really want to keep doing it? Yeah. <laughs> We've all had that feeling on the field yeah. of uh, oh, uncomfortableness. Yeah. Um, hey, Bob, when you were officiating high school football, did you ever have a real hondo prep game? I had that one playoff game. It was my first playoff game. Wow. And I don't remember what year it was. I hate to think. It was probably if I started in '89, it was probably around '93, '94, '95, somewhere around in there. Um, I don't know what I have. that. They give you certificates, and I got some of them up here, and I, I don't know whether I have that one or not. But <clears throat> yeah, uh, that was that was back in the days of if a team is ahead oh, a lot at halftime, the game's over.
2: Yeah,
1: the forty-five. It wasn't a
0: very good game. Real Hundo prep was by far the better team and we go in at halftime and it it was about 42 or it was five points short of being the go-home game real hundo prep's getting the second half kickoff and they kick the ball out of balance so you have your choice they they say well we're gonna we want them to kick it again they kick it again they run it back for a touchdown the game's over (laughs) Not a bad uh, first playoff game for you. Well, it wasn't, and I, I think we were just as happy to find that game over as the team that lost. So uh, they were outman from the, and in those games, some of them, and this one in particular, is, you know, you're 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 tasked with counting the players on the field. Well, as back judge, I count the defense. Well, for the team that the visiting team. I didn't bother counting the defense. I counted the sideline. If there was three guys on the sideline, there was eight guys out there. <laughs> That's right.
1: Eight man, eight man football. Oh man. Not always a number.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, very much a different world. Well, Bob, uh, we wrap things up here. Any, any parting uh, words uh, you'd like to say uh, any, any more stories you'd like to share yeah.
0: with us? Anything. know know what you can't do and work on that and then know what you can do and work on that Mm. but it's that kind of thing where you have to improve what you're doing because other people are behind you and you have to improve what you're not doing because other people are behind you and high school coaches in any sport aren't as they're smarter than we think yeah and they will pick up on the fact that you don't know what you're doing really fast. Mm-hmm. So you got to work on those things. And I do have one, and I tell this to everybody. It was a, uh, at Los Altos football when they were really good. There was a guy, tall guy, gray hair. He was on the, uh, He was around basketball too. So I knew of him and I talked to him before. He was a guy when they used to have a guy on the sidelines that would come up to you and talk to you the whole game. And this guy was charged with that, and I was on Los Altos sidelines. He would come up to me and he'd say, "Bob, the guard's moving. The guard's moving before the snap, Bob." And a few plays later, he'd come back. He said, "Bob, the guard is moving. He's moving before the snap. You got it. The guard's moving." So I finally got tired of it, and instead of yelling at him telling him to be quiet, I just turned around and said, "Which one's the guard?" <laughs> and he got the idea <laughs> he, stopped, he stopped talking to me i didn't have to worry about him anymore and i didn't alienate him and i didn't alienate any other coaches around i didn't yell he didn't scream I didn't, and he knew what i was doing yep he knew what i was doing which one's the guard and it worked it worked great I got to tell you, not everyone could get away with uh, a lot not of the every, things you say. No, no. I, and and I, I do preface some of these statements. You could get away with that, but yeah. some of the other stuff, uh, I could keep you here all day. No, I've, I've done my best to, uh, some to,
1: of the to other try, stuff. try a few things myself. I think sometimes it's it's fun to come up with ways to get your point across firm, <laughs> But in a humorous way or whatever, you know.
0: Or, or, or just say, I understand what you're saying without saying, I understand what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. And right your between point the lines. is. Yep.
2: What's the deal and here? And then stop.
0: <laughs> just stuff like that. It's And it's fun to do because y- you don't want them any more mad at you than they already are. Yep. So anyway. absolutely, you're gonna you're gonna keep uh keep officiating, Bob. How many years you got under your belt well, now? Yeah, I've, I've I've got a feeling I've got uh, maybe a little bit left. This year certainly in helping. I don't want it yeah. to end like this, mm. but if it does, it does. Um, uh, I I t- I've got my baseball test here, and we got another meeting tonight on on Zoom, <laughs> which is less than fun having thirty two guys on the same screen. Oof. uh but it works okay it's not like being there you got to be there so you, you got to be there indeed yeah but yeah I I, I I as long as i can because it keeps me moving mm-hmm. and that's a good thing
1: absolutely well well bob i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day mm-hmm. to sit down and chat with me this has been fun i i honestly I could talk with you care. Oh, thank you, Bob. We could talk another hour or two easily, but we got to... Only an hour, huh? Yeah. <laughs> we could talk till Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> well, I vaguely remember, you know, the, the, it always felt like the pizza place on Friday nights seems like it kept, it it, it's, it closed earlier and earlier, and it wasn't that. It was just we were enjoying ourselves. For sure, longer, yeah. You no? Know? Yeah. Then we'd talk in the parking lot. I mean, it was just, it was... <laughs> just
0: That's the you, you you got tunnel vision at that point. Yeah best way to learn you got tunnel vision you're, you're you've just seen something on a football field and now it's becoming clear to you by people who've been there before mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, oh i i miss it uh but uh, we'll see we we'll can get come back will back, you take my place <laughs> you can be the new me without being without having to be me <laughs> which is a step in the right direction i gotta tell you
1: you got it man you got <laughs> it oh man as long, if we get one more game together i would uh i that would, I would love good. that were were, you, were we on that game, that infield
0: fly rule game out at Goddard? Was Goddard. that you on the plate? Yeah. We did, I didn't call an infield yes. fly rule on yes. Goddard. Yes. Was that you? Yes. Yeah, and, and the guy in the parking lot was very calm and, and said, why wasn't that? And I, and I very. I said, think of it this way. The, the infield fly rule is to protect the offense, not reward the defense and out. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Well, thank you. No, thanks for asking. I'm glad. <laughs> but I tell I tell that all the time too. Oh, yeah, That's I remember it being a close one too. That shortstop was standing right next to the left fielder. <laughs> and it bounced right where he was. Yeah. Oh that man. Oh, so many memories. All so many right, stories. Don't go away now.
1: All right. <laughs> don't go away, Bob. Just uh don't go away. Oh man. Such a pleasure, Bob. Thank you for taking the time. It was fun. Always good talking to you, Matt. You take it easy and come back soon. We'll do. Well, what an honor it was to chat with my good mentor and good friend Bob Lamb. I can't thank him enough for coming on the program and I also can't thank him enough for all the guidance and wisdom he's shared with me over the years and just again, a tremendous influence on my life. And, and as I've talked to a lot of former Real Hondo Prep and Care Use League members uh, along this journey, you know, you really do learn to be a leader, right? Learn to help other people. And uh, Bob Lamb was not someone affiliated with that organization, but he was someone that I looked at as a leader into uh, a lot of my uh, development as an official. And uh, just, I can't say enough about him. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I know it was a long interview and it took some time, but uh, just an absolute uh, honor and a pleasure to, uh, to talk with Bob. And I hope to talk with him again very, very soon. Well, guys, that's it for this week of episodes as we continue to put out episodes three times a week on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. For those of you new to the show, uh, on Mondays, it's kind of just about me rambling about sports uh, and some other topics as well, some current events, and it may, it may not be for everyone, some of my, my opinions, but they're just opinions, that's all. So uh, anyway, that's kind of Mondays. Wednesdays, I'm joined by Bill Barnes, a retired police officer who's here every single Wednesday, and we chat about uh, more, more of the same life, current events, and uh, sports topics uh, Bill just uh, does not hold back and he just lets loose and so he's always entertaining on Wednesdays. On Fridays, much like today, you will hear another long-form interview uh, with a guest of mine, someone that I just enjoy talking with, enjoy hearing about their journey much like you heard today from Bob Lamb. So we're going to continue to do that in the weeks going forward. Uh, it's It's been a be- a good change of pace really for us on the, uh, the programming, if you will, just putting out episodes Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays and, and definitely Uh, it's a little more flexible with the time and and my schedule and everything. So uh, that's more of the same going forward. But uh, guys, for those new to the program, uh, thank you for joining us. And I hope you will come back and listen to a few more episodes uh, starting next week on Monday. Uh, There's plenty of episodes from the past that are still accessible. The beauty of podcasts is uh, the episodes never go away. So go back and check out some of the titles, some of the the names from the past, if you would like, and see uh, check out some of those previous uh, interviews and episodes. They've been a lot of fun and uh, really helped me get through kind of the year 2020 and now into 2021. It's keeping me uh, very busy. So uh, I love doing it and going to continue to do it here in Moving Forward. Guys, there's plenty of ways to follow the Get Home Safe Podcast. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. We would love to hear from you just like you hear from us Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So shoot us an email. Give us a suggestion on a content, a topic. uh, I don't know, a top 10 list of something. Ask me something directly. It's all good. Uh, Bill Barnes really loves questions on Wednesdays. So make sure to get those in at some time over the weekend. Or before Monday morning, so we can kind of start to prepare uh, for the week, uh, the week ahead. It's it's always great hearing from people, whether it just be, uh, hey, enjoyed listening, uh, thanks thanks for uh, your kind words or, or, or whatever. You know, we love hearing from people, and even if it's something you disagree with, it's all good. Hey, we just we're just talking, communication, having a discussion. Nothing uh, nothing in particular here. Nothing's off the table. We just it's fun to get in front of this microphone and chat. I feel like you guys. Uh, the audience has grown and I see the numbers. I see how many people are listening to each episode. So I kind of get the idea of what people like to hear, what they don't like to hear anyway. Uh, anyway, we, our audience is, is great. We love all you. Appreciate everyone tuning in, whether it be a couple times a month or the people that are diehards and loyal listeners. You're all important to us and we appreciate the loyal listenership and the, the support. It's been a just truly humbling experience. So anyway, guys, that's enough. Enough for me. Enough from uh, the Get Home Safe podcast. Got to take a few days off here and come back strong on Monday. But until then, guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or rounding third base, get home safe. <laughs>